Are you ready? It's that time! Welcome everybody to Man Buns and Jesus. If you're watching the video and Ben looks confused, it's because I leave a few seconds of silence before the show so that I can clear out dead noise. And I haven't told him that until right just now. So um, this is uh, season two, episode six of Man Buns and Jesus. I am one of your uh, hosts, one of your degenerate guides through whatever we decide to talk about, Josh Laborious. And that over there is my my co-host with uh, with more hair than me, believe it or not, um, Ben Olschlager, the Sasquatch. What are we talking about today, Ben? Josh, uh, I'm going to start with a story, which is always dangerous because we never know how far down this rabbit hole I'm going to go. Um, I remember uh, I was in the choir at the seminary, and I remember one particular Sunday where we were singing at a church in the area and i'm not going to mention which church because one sunday at choir practice yeah um but like we were there to sing we were there to share our gifts with god's people we were having fun doing it and then the sermon starts <laughs> and i think i know where this is going yeah um it was perhaps one of the most blatant examples of something that I see in churches a lot. And that is a propensity for pastors, parishioners, uh, anyone in the pews, basically, any, well, anyone in the pews or in front of the pews to anyone in the building would be. Yeah. Would be the, yeah. Anyone in the, the phrasing you're looking for. Thank you, Josh. Uh, to speak critically about issues that really aren't present in their own community. And I'm not saying within the like greater St. Louis area, but within their own congregational context and community. And so I don't remember exactly what all got mentioned, but I just remember it being an opportunity for this particular pastor to basically tell his congregation to be prepared for war because all these terrible things are going on in the world around them. And all of these are just flagrant and terrible sins. Oh no. <laughs> oh and man. I'm, I'm sitting in, in the, the choir loft and just regretting waking up that morning um i could have slept in and it would have been it would have been better i think i know anyway, i that's not the first time i've heard stories like that we'll just we'll say that i i'm just i'm just leaving this out there as a, a blatant and flagrant example of what we're going to be talking about today which is the propensity of those of us in the church to focus so heavily on the societal faults, 
the sins we see in our neighbors and our families, um, the, uh, the, the hot gossip running through the, the church ladies pew, um, the, uh, just whatever garbage and sin is going on around the church and never to examine whether like that is something that the hearts of the congregation is actually struggling with or are actually struggling with. And when we do that, we don't grow. We just get angry. And so Josh, today we are going to try and tackle that uh, very precarious balance of love, judgment, condemnation, gentle correction and training in righteousness, um, growing in the faith and sanctification a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of different paths that this could go, but realistically, the, the topic is um, clean your own backyard. And uh, yeah. So, so let's let's start by like, by doing this. Why I've got some thoughts on this, but why in your mind do you think it's it's such an easy thing for us to do to just when we see problems attack them um, on the outside rather than focusing on the things that we can actually you know maybe change and and possibly have some sort of control over like the things that we ourselves are struggling with. Um, I, as I see it, there are really two issues. When we talk about, um, and I, I'm gonna use this phrase, but later I, I'll probably talk about why I don't wanna use this phrase, this whole idea of judging others, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and I think it probably comes down to two things. Well, I'll call it three things. The, the first is it's, they're easier to see, okay? Because I've, I've heard sermons like you were talking about where, um, where there, it's a congregation of 20 people, they're all over the age of 70 and the sermon is all about how abortion is bad, right? No one in that congregation is struggling with that decision, okay? It is <laughs> biologically, incredibly unlikely that they're even in the position to have to think about something like that so like if you're preaching a message you're you're talking about how bad something is to people who like their lives are not going to be changed but the reality is it's a lot easier to see that kind of thing going on than maybe some of the more subtle sins that those congregation members do struggle with maybe mm -hmm. pride or maybe um maybe greed or materialism like pick your poison they're more mm -hmm. subtle sins so i think on one level it's because they're more public they're more flagrant okay mm -hmm. um so that's one and, and the second is kind of the obvious of like it's it's better to point out like it feels better to point out other people's sins because almost implicitly you're saying look i'm not that bad they're worse over there so i think that's that's another part of it um 
and on that level i think it's just it's just easier um it's easier to talk about because you're you're not making any waves with the people you're dealing with you're you're pointing out the evil elsewhere um and then the third thing is i think and i i I don't want to sound like an old person, but I think social media is, is has created a, a, like a tendency in us to think that our impact is bigger than it is. So when we talk about these sins that we see on like a cultural scale, we think we can change that. And it's like, probably not like, very few people actually have the clout to change anything on a societal level. Um, if anyone actually does, because I think the tendency more is even people who we would consider very popular with with a lot of influence, if they were to say something that would um, that would go against what their followers kind of already think already believe they would be cast aside, rather than the change being accepted, I, I suspect. Um, so those are kind of the three things I see contributing to this. It's it's easier, it's more comfortable, they're more public, and and honestly, we think we have more impact than we do. So we try to tackle these issues that, in reality, um, that's not that's not the way to go about them. Um, mm -hmm. And and kind of related to this, because I I and i think if you want to affect societal change if, if you want to attack something that's like a large-scale issue um so I'll, I'll take for the example because i think almost everybody can agree that this is this is something that americans struggle with is materialism we love our stuff and no matter what side of of the aisle you are no matter what kind of positions you hold i think almost across the board we would say Amer we struggle with materialism. So I'm going to use materialism, okay? You're, uh, you're not going to make some big speech or release some video or preach a really good sermon that's going to change American materialism. You ain't going to do it. But if I go to my friend and we sit down and we have a heart to heart about materialism and we struggle together and we walk through it together. And then we, we go forward and, and are accountable to each other and kind of checking that I have affected change. We have affected change together. And, and I did this quick. There are two point shoot. There are like 2.53 billion Christians in the world. And there are approaching 8 billion people in the world. So if you take that, if every Christian were to walk alongside one other person, say the entire world struggles with a sin and, and, and Christians were, were able to walk with one other person, half the world would then be walking through and struggling against that sin and, and maybe overcoming it on some level. And if that, if that iterates again, and, and all the people who, who have who've worked with it, then go and they walk with one other person, everyone in the world has been touched in that personal way like if you look at the numbers if you look at the multiplier effect it really if you want to affect societal change stop looking at society and talk to your neighbor right um which is kind of a, a bit of a tangent but i i'm guessing we're going to circle back to that a little bit um 
But yeah, so th that's the core of what I see the issue is. We, we think we have a bigger impact and it's more fun to point out other people's problems than our own. What do you think, Ben? Am I crazy? No, I think, I mean, that's, about I think that's a big piece of it. Uh, no, I, yeah, definitely. Other things perhaps, but I think you're right on this, per on this particular uh, instance. Um, if you're watching the screen and wondering why I was staring off into the side of over here for a little bit um as you were mentioning your first piece there about how uh it's so much fun to just point the finger at others um i i started to think about some luther quotes uh specifically some luther insults oh classic <laughs> classic there's a luther insult generator online if you're if you're not familiar with that yeah um scum donkeys the other word for donkeys i don't know if we're filtering that on this uh particular yeah, podcast. we probably shouldn't say that on this yeah um just all sorts of great uh here i'll just pull up a couple yeah he, uh, he calls the pope a lot of really nasty names <laughs> some of which were probably words. earned uh in his explanation of the 95 theses your words are so foolishly and ignorantly composed that I cannot believe you understand them. Do you have a point with this or did you, did, were we just <laughs> saying how Luther was kind of a jerk sometimes? No, I have a point with this. Hang on. Uh, from why the, po uh, the books of the Pope were burned, which is in volume one of Luther's work or 31 of Luther's works. Um, even if the Antichrist appears, what greater evil can he do than what you have already done and do daily? Um, <laughs> so, so um, strong words, strong words from, a, uh, from an old man. It's worth. Yeah, uh, Luther is not shy about. Uh, bringing the lumber per se uh when it comes to the way that he's talking about things but i think it's also worth noting how or like who he's communicating with right because i think so often um the church's tar or attacks are targeted on those outside the church and when they are, and even when they are targeted towards those inside the church, it's done in a grandstandy kind of way and not in a like we actually want to have a communication on this kind of way. And so, like, the, the question then comes or then becomes, why are you talking about this? Because Luther, I mean, Luther is talking about problems in, in the world around him that he sees. And we're okay with a lot of what he wrote and said, even though it's calling the Pope worse than the Antichrist. Um, so why do we let him get away with that? And I think it mostly comes down to the fact that he's trying to affect a change in the church itself, not necessarily in the, the society that he's just pissed at. Um, also worth noting 
Luther goes to great lengths to call himself scum um, on a not infrequent basis. He was very um, Gen Z in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like... Yeah, and and there's there's a Bible verse that I think is uh, is relevant here, and it's First um, Corinthians five twelve, and it says, "For what what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge?" And I think very consistently you see this. If if you see sin, it's it's to be addressed relationally. Um, and it's, I, I think, point blank, and and maybe this maybe this all comes down to a gossip thing. If the if you are not talking to the person about their sin, you shouldn't be talking about it. Um, mm-hmm. and and for preachers, I I don't know how many preachers listen to this podcast. I know a few do, but like, if no one in the congregation is is struggling with a sin you probably shouldn't be preaching on it. And if, mm-hmm. and if there's a chance that someone might be struggling with it, you maybe preach on it occasionally, but not, it shouldn't become your hobby horse, right? You're not supposed to fight a culture war from the pulpit. Your job is to proclaim the gospel and the law to the people in front of you. Um, and yeah, so and, and I think what scripture does frequently, and I think this is kind of a neat way to think about it, is um, if, you're, if you're saying something negative or if, if behavior needs correcting or something, it should be in a personal. Like if you, if you look at Matthew 18, the first step, if, if someone sinned against you, is you go to them. Um, and this is... But there, there's this idea out there that like a public sin needs to be rebuked publicly. No, I don't think that holds water. We're called, if a brother sins against you, go to them one-on-one. Now, if a person sins publicly, what that means is they're going to have dozens of people coming to them one-on-one, and they're going to have to deal with that. But just because uh, like someone posts a video publicly online where they're doing something they shouldn't, that is not permission for you to then go publicly online and just lambast them. It's not like I I am I, I think the whole public sin deserves public rebuke. I think that's a crock. I I don't think that's appropriate. We are called in scripture to go to our neighbor one-on-one. Um and, and it escalates from there, right? You if if they're unwilling to acknowledge their sin, then it steps forward and you bring in witnesses to kind of support and, and confirm, you know, this is a sin. And, and eventually if, if they are kind of sticking with it, you bring in the church and, and you do the church discipline thing. But, and, and the flip side, because scripture does handle kind of the rebuke thing in a very personal way is when we're called to do public things, when we're called to do things in a big way, it's for the good of others. So a general rule is if you're if you're working with someone, if you're building them up, be as public as you want, right? Go on Facebook and say, "Hey, my neighbor did. I saw them. Um, I saw them this week. They 
they went down the street and they mowed the little old lady's lawn mm -hmm. because she couldn't do it herself. And they did it. They didn't ask for anything. They, they just did it. They took care of it. And that was awesome. Go ahead. Put that on Facebook. Say, hey, my neighbor's awesome. Do it. If your neighbor is doing something like uh, they're they're not recycling or or they're they're dumping dog crap on their neighbor's lawn or they're dumping dog crap on your lawn. You don't go on Facebook, you go to them, you say, hey. Pick up your dog's crap and throw it away in an appropriate receptacle um, and, and scripture, I think, is really consistent with that it's it's if it's negative if it's something that needs correction you do it individually if if you're building someone up you can do that individually or you can go far and wide with it right so that's that's the distinction i see in scripture when we talk about um for lack of a better way to put it correcting bad behavior is yeah so my my head went to to two different places and uh, just for the heck of it, I'm going to include a, a, a Luther insult every time that we uh, oh, good, good. That's jump back here. Something. Um, from volume 32 of Luther's works against Latimus, uh, you people are more stupid than a block of wood. Um, such a good one. Um, but my head oh. went to... Thanks. Um my my head went to uh luther's explanation of the uh 10th commandment um or ninth commandment eighth yeah. commandment no i think it was nine well i guess it'd be nine and ten yeah i mean i guess no, I don't no, know what it is nine about. it is nine so uh luther's explanation of the ninth commandment and those of you who are gonna make fun of me for not having these memorized go ahead uh rebuke him privately i'm familiar with them but i i do not have them memorized um from the ninth commandment luther's explanation it the, the commandment is you shall not covet your neighbor's house right straightforward thing um but it's in the negative and luther in his explanation says we should fear and love god so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's house or inheritance or house or get it in a way which only appears right but help and be of service to him in keeping it so not only is it like wrong to uh belittle that person's life or livelihood but instead in fact our calling as neighbors should be in supporting them and helping them to grow it and this is the same guy who just called people stupid blocks of wood. Um, so, like, it's it's all about the context of the situation in which you are bringing something to someone. Um, within a congregational context, our responsibility to one another should not be to belittle those who cannot stand there and defend themselves in that conversation. That is, that is never our responsibility. Um, whether that's happening from the pulpit, whether that's happening in a, in a conversation at, around donuts, um, whether that's a conversation that's happening uh, in a small group, whether that's a conversation that's happening um, 
during some sort of uh, other church ministry, like in those conversations, if we're talking about sins that people around us are, are struggling with, the conversation should focus on how we address those sins and how we people, how we help people to grow in their life and livelihood. Um, and on the flip side of that, our responsibility in the church and our focus in our conversations in terms of the way that we bring concerns, the, the way that we talk about uh, struggles that we want to see rectified should really focus on the people that we have influence over, namely ourselves, our families, and the church communities that we're a part of. Um, otherwise, we are just stupid as blocks of wood. I mean, I, I reserve the right to claim that uh, that level of intelligence anyway, but... Uh... <laughs> Well, and I think there's there's an important distinction that I think can be helpful here. Um, and that is, and, and we have this all messed up, that I think there's a distinction between, um, let's call it correction, uh, judgment, and condemnation, right? Because there, there's that scripture verse that that a lot of people love to point out and say, like, you can't tell me what to do it's judge not lest ye be judged and it's really because we've we've changed the meaning of that word as you can't judge me as you can't tell me that something i'm doing is wrong mm -hmm. i think a better in modern english i think a better way to to translate that to look at that is condemn not lest ye be condemned Okay, because judgment properly understood is you are this thing you're doing is wrong and you're going to hell for it. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's the it's the passing of of it's the assignment of consequence, right? It's whereas correction um, is saying like it's just acknowledging the truth. This is this is something wrong. This is something we need to work on. Um, which I, I think it speaks importantly to both sides. The one side is, yes, as your brother in Christ, it is my place if I see you are, you are caught in sin to, to, to tell you, like, this is not what God has planned for you, right? Because at no point does the New Testament say, does, does the scripture say you shouldn't do that? Even the whole um, take the take the log out of your own eye before before you remove the splinter from someone else. That's don't be a hypocrite. Not don't judge at all. Period. Don't don't uh, I guess correct at all. Period. Because the reality. Um, let's take this for example. Uh, stealing. I I this is not a sin I struggle with. I am not tempted to shoplift. I'm not like I I don't struggle with that. If I see someone who is, if I see someone who's hovering around the offering plate and going to grab something, we're going to have a conversation. And it, I think it, it is, from a scriptural standpoint, entirely appropriate. Or if there's someone who, who comes to me, who talks to me, who's a kleptomaniac. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with that word, that means they like love to steal stuff, uh, like really love to steal stuff. It's appropriate for me to say, no, this is wrong don't do this, right? That is not judgment. 
that is not condemnation. That is speaking the truth in love, telling you, like God has said, stealing is wrong. So it is, so we shouldn't do it. Um, and I think that's a distinction that's lost because correction is something that is appropriate. Uh, correction is something that we are called to as a Christian community to, to help each other walk closer to where God wants us to be walking. Um, but we have, we have somewhere along the line conflated telling you something is wrong with condemn, like your actions become you as a person. Uh, we've conflated, I, I can't tell you anything is wrong because that means I'm condemning you. And it's no, that's, that's not the, like, I can love you and, and disagree with things you're doing. I can love you and, and know that things you're doing are wrong. Um, and that's a distinction that I think a lot of our society has lost. And I think it's a distinction we want, we, we need to maintain. I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of things we've lost in language that I think the ship has sailed. It's not a battle worth fighting anymore. This is not one of them, right? We, we need to maintain this, this ability to discipline each other in community. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, so that's, uh, that's where my head's going is because mm -hmm. it's, it's important to keep that tension, right? You, you have mm -hmm. to, you have to be able to come together as a community and help each other grow and help mm -hmm. each other do the right thing and call mm -hmm. out sin. Um, but it has to be done in love. And, and that's a balance. I think there's a lot of over overcorrection in either direction, mm -hmm. right? Cause Absolutely. you have people who are unwilling. To, they're like, no, nothing's wrong. You're fine. You're good. And it's like, no, that's not true. That's not accurate. But then on the flip side, there are people like, uh, you're, like, I hate your guts because you have this particular sin. And it's like, well, that's not a good thing to do either. There's there's a medium. It's not even a small medium. Like, there's a pretty big space in the middle that we can occupy. Um, mm -hmm. I We just... <laughs> you it's really it. tempting to slip to either side. Yeah. Yeah. I One of the things that I was thinking about as, as we, you were talking about that is, I think part of our our hesitation to either approach one another in a healthy way in a, in a Christian con congregation or conversation about um, our, our correction and training in righteousness. Um, and one of the reasons that we're much more willing to do the like kind of just judgment and condemnation of those well outside of our sphere of influence. Yeah, people because, you're never gonna talk to. <laughs> exactly, is because we are so afraid of receiving any sort of correction and training, whether it's done in love or whether it's done period. Like if all we're doing is, is hurling judgment and condemnation on the other, like we can just ignore everything they're saying. But if we are, training with one another if we are building with one another i lifted with josh for a period of a few months at, at the end of our seminary experience and um i have never been insulted more in my life but i have never been more faithful about working out in my life um, i always tell people don't find a gym partner who's gonna uplift you find a gym partner who will make fun of you when you skip 
it worked for me. And I know that it doesn't necessarily work for everyone, but it worked for me because Josh spoke the truth. And I knew it was because he loved me and he doesn't want me to keel over dead someday in the pulpit. Um, like we had the relationship there already to do that. But the, the point being like, if we're terrified of receiving any sort of, of uh, correction and training ourselves, um, it's so much harder for us to go to anyone in, in any way in our circles and say, hey, I think you've been struggling with this for a while and I'd like to see this change for this reason. And that reason is because it's not the Christian thing to do. Um, and all, all of a sudden, uh, to quote Luther from Bondage of the Will, are you ignorant of what it means to be ignorant? I think we've lost, we've lost so much of like just the ability to, to do some of these things that we're forgetting that we've lost that ability. Um, that's a little frightening to me. That's a little frightening to me. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, this is something that, it's it's hard to do and i think it's important that we acknowledge it's it's hard to do it's hard to give correction in in a meaningful way it's hard to receive correction in a meaningful way because it means you got to change it means you got to grow and those things are uncomfortable but like that's what we're called to as as brothers and sisters in christ and it's i i think that's it's a really good time to think about our churches in that kind of familial sense of you know when my brother's doing something boneheaded i it i am i am ready i'm ready and willing to let him know that's a dumb thing to do and i can tell you from experience they're ready to do the same thing for me and it's not uh like we don't hate each other we're not building resentment for each other we're just really willing to say you probably shouldn't do that you probably shouldn't share that information with mom you probably shouldn't say that in that way to that person, right? Like, it's there's no malice in it. There's no hatred in it. It's just we're trying to help each other out. And I think if we if we think of things like that, if we think of not just our actual brothers and sisters, but our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we think of it as like, I'm doing my best to help you out by sharing the will of God for your life, like, I think it becomes a little easier because it's not, you're not coming from a place of, I want to, I want to catch this person slipping up or I want to take this person down a peg. It's I'm trying to help. I'm just trying to help you out. Right. And I, I think the youth at my congregation have heard me say this a lot because it's something to the effect of like, I don't think that's going to work out for you. Like we're talking about a, a sin or whatever, or a relationship situation i'm like and and at its core it's correction but what i'm i'm saying like based on what god has said that's not going to play out for you so like we, we need to change how we're or um someone asked me for dating advice and they said like <laughs> that they had been they they had this relationship that they were that they were like i guess they were talking which 
the, the phraseology of this is always bought like I've, I've never quite grasped it I don't think but they were talking and like they had, they were they were going to start dating and they told me some things about this person I was like those are all huge red flags for me right like this is this is not going to work out for you I would avoid this this relationship like the plague like continue to be friends or whatever but like you need to you need to like hard no this ain't gonna work um and it's at its core it is correction at its core it is what what society would call judgment but the reality is I'm trying to help you out right I'm trying to give you advice that I, that comes from scripture that comes from or sometimes comes from my personal experience which is admittedly limited in a lot of ways but I think if we think about the whole thing as that this this thing that we've forgotten how to do becomes a little bit more approachable and I think a little more faithful to what we're, we're we should be doing in this way. You look like so, you have something marinating over there. I do. Uh, so what I'm hearing us continue to say in lots of different ways is that we need to learn how to set boundaries and uphold them. We have the boundaries already there in scripture. I haven't heard myself say that at all. <laughs> no, like, so like in, in subtext, you haven't explicitly said it, but like as a church, we need to know where our boundaries are. Ben, right? I'm dumb as a block of wood. I don't have subtext. <laughs> Continue. I'm what, sorry. I'm what good purpose can you lazy sluggish bullies accomplish? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, season two, I'm still trying to figure that out. From Instructions for Visitors of Parish Pastors, Volume 40 of Luther's Works. Um. <laughs> we wrote too much. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, like we, we've been talking about how like all of this is we, we want to see people do the right thing. We want to see people live out a Christian life. We want to see the people do the, the work of God. We want to see people do the will of God. We want to see justice prevail. We want to see uh, healthy growth and, and correction and training and righteousness. And all of that requires a standardized set of boundaries. We call it the law in theological circles and hopefully in your circle too the rules and it's not it's not a bad thing i promise you it's not a bad thing it's a good thing it is a good thing uh it's the opposite <laughs> of a bad thing that yes that's how that works josh <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm just i'm just trying to trying to help anyone out who may be listening and they're dumber than a block of wood so <laughs> They're just going to start calling us poisonous, worthless gossips. Also from instructions for the visitors of parish pastors. Um, nice. <laughs> um, and, and like, once we have those boundaries, we need to actually enforce them with one another. Um, and so there's two pieces to Wait, this. One. Hold on. I want to, I want to back, back you up just a second. Okay, we don't it. set these boundaries. You're right. These boundaries have been set. We just acknowledge them. Yeah. Because God set these boundaries. These aren't arbitrary rules we're making up, right? They come from somewhere bigger than us. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. Um, so we need to have knowledge 
of the law of God, these beautiful set of boundaries that God gives us for life together. Um, hashtag read Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, okay, Mason that. V. <laughs> Mason, if you ever listen to this podcast, come on and talk about it. Um, we'd love to have you. I say that in all seriousness. Uh, and then two, once we have that understanding of those boundaries, once we have the law established on our hearts and in our communities, then we actually need to enforce it. Um, and we need to be willing to enforce it even when it's uncomfortable. Because believe it or not, the world is starting to recognize, hey, maybe some rules are some good things. Um, I was listening to an interview the other day uh, from a... Uh, author of the, or she's a, a journalist for the Washington Post, a woman by the name of Christine Nemba. She wrote a book on uh, sexual ethics and how, um, this is from a relatively secular perspective, how the ethic of consent has failed. Uh, and basically she just went around talking to all sorts of people I think mostly millennials, if not exclusively millennials, and their experience with sex as the ethic of consent. And there were so many people for whom that, like, if that is your only boundary, if that is your only guideline, it leaves you feeling empty and, and broken. And like, there was one woman she talked to who said, um, she blurted out in the middle of a one night stand, can we not just make this one night about love rather than just pure sex? Um, and so I, I think the world is starting to recognize, hey, we need to set some boundaries. And if we as a church, the people who have this most beautiful and perfect set of boundaries from our loving and gracious God, if we can't even live within the the beautiful uh, structure that God has set for his creation. It takes away our credibility to bring it to anyone else. True. And then the set of boundaries that the world is going to create around us is going to continue to look less and less like what we'd like it to be, which is the, the design that God gave us. Yeah. Well, how am I wrong, Josh? I wouldn't say you're wrong. <laughs> I would say maybe I'm a little more optimistic than you are, because I don't think I don't think that the world on its own without the church would figure things out right. However, it would get toward an approximation. It because there there is this idea of a natural law that God has written on our hearts and we're pretty good at ignoring it but if you're looking for rules like those are going to seep in and there is also this reality that like God designed creation to work a certain way mm -hmm. right when you only sleep with your spouse your relationship tends to be healthier when you wait like um when you don't murder your neighbor, your life tends to go better. When when society decides that stealing is bad, things go more smoothly, right? Like 
and those are just the, the kind of duh ones, but, you know, living honestly, um, living with integrity, like a lot of these things, God lays them out and he like, he gives us a shortcut. He says, this is how I design things to work. But for a lot of them, I think you'd figure it out eventually because that's how creation's designed to work. So do I think you'd get a perfect set of rules if you were left alone in God's creation to figure out a rule book? No. Do I think the natural consequences that God has put into place would get you close, would get you in the ballpark? I think it would. I think it would. And and that might be overly optimistic of me, but I, I, I'm always fascinated because these secular research studies come out and they, they come to the same conclusion as scripture started with. And I'm like, I could have told you that like there's there's studies that have been coming out lately that um, cohabitating before marriage. So living with your significant other before marriage has a negative impact on the longevity of your marriage. Right. Um, because the, the, the logical like the, the worldly logic thing is like, you know, we're test running this to make sure it works and it's going to help us married in the long run. And the, the studies are finding that is the opposite of, of the case. That is not true. Um, and us Christians are sitting over here saying, we could have told you that. You didn't have to go through all this pain and heartache to figure this rule out. But you did. So so I the, the only addendum I would add to yours is I think that naturally we would get in the ball of what, what the good law is. Um, I just think if we if we take God at his word and listen to him the first time, it's going to save us a lot of uh, pain and heartache. And it's it's going to get us where we should be, not close to where we should be, if that makes sense. Are we satisfied with that? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. This is I got to be honest, this podcast is taking an interesting direction. This isn't where I thought we were going to be headed, but I'm not upset about it. No, I agree. Um, I think the last thing I want to I want to touch on is I do want to I, I referenced this earlier. I, I want to talk about you know we we've we've kind of theoretically talked about you know we should be correcting each other and and this mm-hmm. should be our standard for it and whatever. I want to I want to equip you. So if you if you stuck through the podcast this far, thank you so much. We appreciate you. I'm I'm fixing to drop some tools on you. And this comes from Matthew. Um, Matthew 18 and um, Matthew 18 lays out a process for this kind of correction, um, this kind of uh, this kind of thing. Okay, and it starts off if your brother sins against you go and show him his fault. So if if you are struggling with a sin or you see more, more, this is written from the perspective of if you see a brother struggling with sin or a sister struggling with sin. You start off, the first thing you do is you go to them one-on-one, individually, just the two of you, and you say, hey, you're called to do different than this. You're called to better than this. Um, And if that works, you're good. Move on with your life. Support them in in their struggle. Like like if someone's, uh, an example might be if someone's smoking, and you, you go and you say, hey, you're not taking care of your body like you're supposed to. You, you probably shouldn't be doing this. Um, 
like don't just leave it at that even if they say you're right i'm gonna try and quit don't leave it at that support them give them some accountability check in um all that stuff but like you're good with that one-on-one -on -one conversation but the, the alternative is they say oh no it's not really a sin like it's not really it's not really a bad thing um and then or or i don't want to change there are some you know you acknowledge that it's a sin but you like it so you're going to keep it um and that's when you bring two or three other other people to say mm -hmm. you know here's this really is a it's it's almost like an authority thing they come in to say this person isn't crazy what you're doing is actually wrong and we need to work on it um and, and at that point again if if they accept that and if they're if they want to change then then you move on from there um but if they're still like no either no this isn't a sin or i'm going to keep doing it even though it is a sin um that's when you bring it to the church so if if you're talking kind of in a personal situation this is where you would bring in your pastor. This is where you might bring in your elders. And they say, like, they haven't been blowing smoke. This really is something that you need to change. And what they say is, if even that doesn't work, if you bring it to the, the church or the representatives of the church and it still doesn't work, you do something called excommunication. Well, we call it today excommunication. You remove them from the church. And the instruction is treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector. And I want to remind everybody how Jesus treated Gentiles and tax collectors. He continued to love them and, and show them grace and forgiveness and care while trying to call them out of their life, out of their life of sin. Um, so even if it reaches that point where someone is excommunicated from the church, you're still supposed to love them. you're almost you're, you're almost supposed to treat them as as someone to be witnessed to where you're showing them love you're showing them grace and, and you keep because the ultimate goal no matter how far gone it is is to bring them back into the church and back into line with what what god has intended for their life so if you're looking you know how do i practically do this maybe there's even a situation in your mind um, of someone you know is struggling with something Here's how you do it, one-on-one. -on -one. Then you bring a couple people. If that doesn't work, then you bring the church. If that doesn't work, then, and this isn't a you thing. This is a, a decision that the pastors and the elders make. Then you make the excommunication decision. Um, and even after that, you're showing love, you're showing care, et cetera. So that's, that's uh, I actually think I'd be willing to call that my takeaway for today. I love Matthew 18. I think it's, I think it's a really worthwhile passage to um at least generally speaking to have on your on your mind on your heart so you look you look shifty ben you look like you're you're gonna drop something you're gonna say something i don't like aren't you well you abominable abomination from against uh the Roman that one's just lazy that one's just lazy <laughs> It's like I've been calling trying. someone a bad, bad guy. It's like I've been, trying, I've been trying to find a good place to use the insult. You're like a mouse dropping in the pepper. That's gross. <laughs> That's disgusting. Anyway. Anyone who um, unsubscribes from this podcast because they heard that line, I don't I don't blame <laughs> you at all. Hey, Luther wrote it. <clears throat> yeah, Luther wrote uh 
a few things that I'm not on board with. So, <laughs> touche. Anyway, um, where was I gonna go? I don't oh, know yeah. where you were gonna go. Takeaways. You, you abominable snowman. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I think looking Sasquatch. Thanks, Josh. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway from today, in, in addition to the, the very practical advice that you just gave on following the process of Matthew 18, when and where you feel like correction needs to be made in the life of the church, um, I think my big suggestion and, and, and takeaway is remember who you're, you're talking to. Remember the context that you're, you're having that discussion in and think before you speak. Um, so if you are having a conversation uh, with a group of people for whom the topic of that conversation, especially if it's something that you are just really railing against is not a problem in that particular group, you shouldn't be having that conversation in that context and in that, in that sense. Um, instead, if that, that thing is a, a passion of yours, um, take the, the hot button issue of abortion. Um, instead of railing against the atrocity that is abortion in a group of people that agree, agree that abortion is not a good thing, talk about how you can be of service to the world and to the church in such a way that the prevalence, number, and uh, frequency of abortions in your area goes down. That is a practical and productive way to talk about something that you hate. And that is my encouragement to you. Mm -hmm. Find ways to do that. Josh, prayer thoughts? Um, just, I guess, pray that, that you have uh, that the Holy Spirit works through you to build up the people around you in the way that they should go, um, that, that God would give you courage and bravery in these situations, and also the humility to receive correction when, if and when other people bring it to you. That, that's kind of the prayers I would put on, on everybody's hearts and minds uh, today, whatever, whatever day you're listening to this podcast on. Um, and uh, shameless plugs. As always, this is how we close our episodes. Uh, if you want to be on the show, let us know. If you want to hear us talk about something, let us know. We're open to suggestions. We're open to hear different things, uh, to talk about different things, to talk with different people. We love that kind of stuff. And uh, follow us on, um, you, can, you can like us on Facebook. You can follow our page on Facebook, and that's, that's fine. Um, but I think what is more helpful to you is, just follow us on whatever podcasting platform you listen that way when we have new episodes when we release uh special content you'll it'll just remind you that it's there um and that way you can you can listen as it's as it fits in your schedule as it as it's helpful to you um so uh i think that's it yeah uh brothers one more and shameless plug oh shameless, shameless plug. plug go uh go check out the luther insult generator <laughs> Yeah, it's something. It's something. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord.
Thanks be to God.